Hi, Kristen here. Now, it's probably bad form to play favorites with these episodes, but this feels like it's going to be a really fun conversation. There were two reasons that I wanted to talk to you guys, which was the first, <clears throat> your new friends. I mentioned I'd been making all these new parent friends because my kids started school this year. And remember when I was talking to the matchmaker and I mentioned that there was this one couple that I really just liked off the bat? And you're the perfect kind of new friends because you're <laughs> the new friends who we've only known each other for three months. So you only know that much of me. Da 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 da! This is that couple! And I want to talk to you because you're my lesbian friends. <laughs> As two ladies successfully raising a loving family in a beautiful home, I'm hoping some of their relationship juju might rub off on me. They've been together for 15 years and they're adorable and they have an extra couple of decades of wisdom on me between the two of them. Plus, they seem to like me for some inexplicable reason. So, if there are passcodes or secret hand signals I'm supposed to magically have access to, I'm pretty confident they're going to let me know. Okay, but before we jump into that conversation, let's have a little recap because a lot has happened. First, our matchmaker informed us that not only is a lack of dating history not a strike against us, but it might be the very thing that keeps me open to really meeting the right person without any made-up stories or restrictions. Then we went on a mission to remind that unconvinced part that loving another human being is complex, but it's totally worth it. And that led us to seek some hard science answers about libido, where we discovered that Hormones and female sex drive have shockingly little to do with one another, apparently, and that my lack of sexual compass doesn't mean that I might not have a strong romantic orientation. That suggestion led us to revisit a past relationship that had been living in that limbo of more than friend, less than lover, and looking through the lens of evolutionary psychology, we've seen that that love that I felt was not only valid, but it points us to the truth that the only people I've ever fallen in love with and wanted to be intimate with were women. Which brings us to the question we're poking at today. What does that mean? Am I now a lesbian? How can I be gay when I don't feel like I know anything about being gay? And how do I even enter relationship with a woman when I have no background in this? I mean, how would that initial conversation even go? Hi, I'm Kristen. You know, I've never actually been in a romantic relationship with a woman, but, you know, based on data analysis of my past patterns of affectionate intimacy, I believe that the fact that you are a woman increases the odds that I'm predisposed to find a successful partnership with you. Want to go on a date? You see why no one should be letting me loose in a gay bar anytime soon, yeah? So, in the face of this not knowing what the heck to do next, and really not wanting to put my foot in my mouth, I've decided I'm going to risk total embarrassment with some new friends by cornering them and hoping that they like me enough to forgive my ignorance. So I just jump in with the question that they seem uniquely positioned to answer for me. When you guys first met me, did you think I was straight, gay, repressed, confused? Well, I don't... Didn't even think about it. I didn't really think about it. Like, when I... I knew I liked you, you know, like, the first time we met. I thought, oh, cool, what a cool, like, fun new mom to meet. Uh, and I actually didn't think one one way or the other. I didn't. I don't normally, though, peg people. I did. I, I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God there's another lesbian couple here. Because I thought you were probably in a relationship. And uh, I also thought, what a cool chick. You know, like, we're not alone. Oh. So, it was the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was the haircut I always wanted. Yeah. Shut so, up. I'm kidding. She's my hairdresser. I know. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I, I, I actually did. I thought right away. Something clicks that I actually have never realized until this very moment. I've always thought that because I didn't have to figure out my sexuality, because I wasn't into being romantic or dating, that somehow it wasn't touching my daily life. I'm suddenly able to see that so many of these different decisions that I've made in my life have been unconsciously influenced by the fact that I'm just trying to avoid the question of sexuality. I just, like, I didn't get my hair cut for so long because I was like, oh, but people might think I'm gay, and I don't know if I'm gay. So I just, like, I, I, like, but I wasn't doing it consciously even. Do you know what I mean? It was just that thing where it was like, I'm, my behaviors were somehow mitigating the possibility of someone thinking I was gay when I didn't know if I was gay, and therefore, but I didn't really have to, like, it was this thinking that I didn't have to figure that out, or I didn't have to know that, because it didn't affect my life unless I was trying to have a partner. But clearly it was affecting my life in stupid ways, like, I'm not going to cut my hair. Or I'm not going to wear rainbows because <laughs> someone might misread that. Do you know what I mean? So I just because we wear rainbows because you, you wear rainbows <laughs> yeah. all the time. And this is where it's I've like now that it's conscious, it seems ridiculous. But it was totally unconscious. So yeah, I think I talked about it not that after that night, but a few weeks later because I think you said, "Do you think Kristen's yeah. gay or?" I don't, I don't remember how you framed it. And we did talk about it, and I was like, huh, yeah, maybe. But, you know, you have a uh, a confidence of people who I feel like are, like, they they dare to think outside the box. You know, like, yeah. I feel like gay people kind of have to have that ability. And I think you have that. I still don't claim that I'm gay, because I don't really I have nothing to point to to say like I am I don't feel like I can like claim that and at the same point I do know that when I think about partnership which is the thing that I want I can only envision that with a woman um (laughs) so you know gay like the term gay is something that you never really have to be you know that right like Gay is something that, like, society kind of creates these categories because it's easier for society to kind of think of people in certain ways. But, you know, that doesn't apply to you, right? (laughs) I don't know any of I don't know. I mean, it's funny that you call us your lesbian friends, but, you know, that's not what we are. Like, I wouldn't say we're lesbians, right? I mean, that's what everybody else says we are. I mean, I think there's, like, for me, like, sexuality is very fluid, or, you know, I think for some people it is. Certainly for me, certainly I've known other people where at times in their life they feel more heterosexual or whatever society calls that you know and at other times they've felt more homosexual but it's not for some people it's not like a concrete thing that you can nail down it changes in time kind of like your hairstyle yeah right (laughs) so 
I mean, I've always felt like putting somebody's, like, like the way, like, trying to see myself the, the way that society sees me has always been destructive, whether you're talking about anything, you know, like, whether it's race or gender or whatever, like, I think it's really destructive to try to live up to some category that society puts you in instead of, like, looking at it the other way around and, and you know, saying, like, well, whatever society categorizes me, that's fine, but I'm just going to try to, like, live true to who I am and what I want in the moment. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's why I'm crying, because I, I think that that's so much permission that I I need, and I feel like there's been this feeling of because I don't feel straight enough to be straight and gay enough to be gay that I'm in no man's land. Like, I don't have that, like, belonging identity, whatever that is. And I think I also really didn't... I don't want to offend people who do. Like, I don't... There's some part of me that's like, yeah, but the people who are really gay, (laughs) like, they have claim to that. You know, they've, they've, like, staked their area in that and if that's, I'm not willing to step so up true. to that you know yeah, like, that's so true but you'll never measure up to the hardcore gays mm, no <laughs> and measuring of you like that's a hard road to hoe like I mean some people I think have issue with us we we certainly don't consider ourselves like your classic lesbians and you know here we are at a school with all these heterosexual parents and that's how we see our we're just parents yeah. we're just people we just happen to uh you know like the same gender and uh I, it's funny i don't ever think of myself as a lesbian okay what is it like cuz as soon as i said that both of you rolled your eyes and i've had the same <laughs> feeling about that that word in particular, I just that word. I'm just kind of like, uh, like why? Why is there that cringy thing that happens? There's is it just the labeling? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like I cringe at every label I get. You know, like redneck, redneck, yeah, or surgeon, surgeon. like your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's you're hard. a asshole. So. <laughs> Thank you. It's, I actually take that in pride. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just hard. Labels are so hard. Like, it's a, a an easy way to measure yourself, and you're never going to measure up to whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, most of our friends are straight here. Um, but before we moved, I would say most of our friends were gay or identified as gay or whatever. And now, like, they hear about our lives, and they're like, you guys are so boring. All you do is hang out with straight people, you know. So there's some of that that I think... Yeah. You know, once you're in a certain category, like, you kind of take ownership of the term and you take ownership of, like, the stereotypes and that kind of thing, too, yeah. which we totally do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when we're on the East Coast, you know, I would say we're probably uh, more in the gay category. Totally. You know? So it becomes comparative. Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I think that gets back to that fluid state, you know? Like, for me, there's something so comforting about being, like, with one of my best friends who's, like, the biggest turbo dyke of all time. You know, it's comforting to be in that world and, like, to be able to just dive into that. And, 
you know. And then also it's comforting for me to like go back to a a completely hetero situation in or just Ohio a normal or life. Whatever, yeah, yeah or it's whatever. just normal life, you know, like yeah. But I can understand how it's very like without especially without somebody to love, it's hard to know where to cast your net. Yeah. It's hard to know yourself, I think, anyway. Uh, it's also way easier to come out as lesbian than to come out as anything right. else. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, I came out to my parents as a lesbian, even though I was still dating a guy at the time. Like, Okay, wait, that's but, awesome. I mean, it's... It, it, I, I'll spare you <laughs> the, the details on that, but, like... I, I didn't feel gay. I just had to put it in a framework that my parents could understand yeah. so that they could mentally make the leap. Yeah. And instead I'm having this weird conversation with my parents. It's like, hey, so I'm just looking at the odds here and like, you know, look at this little bit of data that I got. And it kind of seems like probably I'm going to end up falling in love with a woman. So how, how's that going to be? It's like this bizarre kind of preemptive thing happening. Do yeah. you really need to have that conversation I do. yet? I have to. Let me interject here for a second. So something that's come up since you and I spoke last is this niggling feeling that if I'm serious about finding my person, I'm going to end up having to have a conversation with my parents at some point. I still don't really know what that would look like in the real world, but it's feeling like this amorphous, looming, up-ahead thing. Okay, so back to the conversation. I am not going to feel free to pursue that until that preemptive, scary conversation block is cleared. Like, it's just... Because regardless of what their response is, I'm going to have the real data. I'm going to have really, this is now the situation I'm in and the choices I'm making, not the... Uh, some amorphous fuzzy in the future, maybe this is going to be complicated, you know, kind of thing. Are you prepared for when you sit down with your folks? I mean, it could go either way. I mean, no. you know, like, I know when I told my mother, mm-hmm. even though she knew, it, it was hard for her, but, you know, it took her 20 years now. <laughs> It took her a while, but she, I mean, she knew, she knew, um, but they, they need time to process it and they're going to be like, oh my God, where did I go wrong? You forget, I showed up at 30. With a baby. Basically everyone thought I was still a virgin and I was like, guess what's happening next Christmas? Like, (laughs) so we've been through it. Okay. You know what I mean? And like that one... I think that that is the same that I feel about this, which is with slight difference. In that instance, I knew it was going to suck and I knew there was going to baby be a baby in six months and it was going to be fine in six months. I just had, it was just going to suck for the next six months kind of thing. With that, and that was blindsiding. I mean, they had no freaking idea and it dramatically changed their life, you know? With this, my sister told me that when I was telling them I was pregnant, that my mom was convinced I was going to be coming out to them. And kept being like, you have to, you have to tell me if that's what's happening so I can get ready. And my sister oh, was so like, she, right. I mean, but that doesn't mean, I know, it's kind of... it doesn't mean that there's not, it's going to suck. And I have no idea what the response in the moment is going to be. No idea. Yeah. It could be a recording of like just silence and footsteps and a door closing. Like that could be what it is. And that'll be what it is. Yeah. But it's really like, 
you're doing it for yourself, but you're doing it so much for the other people in your life. I think a hundred percent you are because I, I wouldn't be doing any of this if it weren't for the fact that there's yeah. some wariness of perception and, and you live in a small town and I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. It's not like you're in LA and you can like go out and do whatever you want and your parents never see you or know what you're up to. You know? I know. And society, I feel like, has evolved so much that it's made it even harder. Because it's almost like society is so much more accepting of gays now mm-hmm. that it's like a valid choice in life. You know? And that, like, it wasn't so much when we were coming out, mm-hmm. like, as it is now. But, like, it's legal to marry a woman now. Yeah. You know, it's like you're coming out and telling your parents that you're going to do something likely that's legal now, which has a totally different feel to it than how it used to feel. I mean, of course, there's also, um, there's the religious component in my family. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting one, too, where it's just like, my my mom isn't, I don't know, she's going to be really, like, white-knuckling it on her own for a while, trying to feel uncomfortable with the whole thing. It's just a part of motherhood. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. you know, my mother went through that. My my parents, my family is Catholic, you know, that the whole religious thing. And you know what? And I had a brother who's older than me and gay and came out, and they got through that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was afraid to come out even after he came out. And they were all parents want, honestly. I know parents say this, but they just want you to be happy. Yeah. You know, and they want you to be, you know, have a family. They want you to be their version of happy. (laughs) Well, but this is why you're doing it. So you can start it so that you tell them this is your version of happiness. Yeah. You know, Um, because if that's the case, we'd all be still living with our parents and dating our high school sweethearts or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, the other thing about, you know, identifying as whatever sexual identity is most visible is I would think for dating. Like, I'm like, how the heck do I know yeah. who's interested in women? Yeah, you've got dating who's issues. gay or not? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's just especially now. Yeah. Like, and two years ago, I didn't know that I would be down for falling in love with a woman and did, you know, so it's like what if there's even people who are, you know, I'm going to be involved around and aren't even in that dating mindset themselves. And like, it just feels super complicated as far as the the dating thing. And I think I'm particularly aware of it because I have been in these, you know, straight platonic companionate friendship things that have turned into, Oh no, wait, there's feelings here and there's partnership here and there's, you know, and so it's like, okay, that's what I've now watched myself cycle through and I need to aim to not do. Like, I, this needs to be from the get-go yeah. clear that there's romantic intention here, there's partnering future intention here. Mm-hmm. Intention. Intention. Yeah. You know what, that's how everyone feels who, I think, starts realizing, like, oh, I got a date, I got to find someone. Yeah. I mean, it's easier, I know, being straight and... The immediate sexual attraction has never been a thing in my life. Like, there just has never been a time where someone walks in a room and I'm like, 
that one. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think that's probably not true. I think you <laughs> you've probably not been you, aware. Of, yeah, yeah. But you've. Had I mean, that I notice feeling. people, but I I've had meeting of people and friends and stuff where you have that immediate. Oh, I really like them, and I want to be around them. So there's that chemistry that's involved, but right. you're, yeah, you're, but you're still more of an emotional connector, right? I mean, hugely the, so. your past relationships, like yeah. you really connect with the person emotionally before you have any other kinds yeah. of feelings about them. And that's, I think, totally normal. Well, I think after you get through this process, you know, uh, maybe there's a blockage. That's what I'm hoping. You know? I think you struck right upon it, yeah. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, there's... That inner fear of taking that step, and uh, you know, right now you're just like bulldozing that path, you know, and yeah, and you're so hard on yourself for like not being what you expect yourself to be. I'm not hard on myself. I'm just. It seems that way. It's like you're. I don't know. Like you, you want to have that like immediate lust, chemistry, whatever. You know, and then you're like, why can't I have that? Why can't I be more like that? Get a puppy. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think you're as as weird as you think you are. Oh, right? thanks. I do. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you have a different way of looking at relationships, which is great and sweet and positive. You know, it's different from what we know and from what our friends you know it's very refreshing and maybe I'm just thinking east coast where people are kind of like oh, people suck they're just cold they're just cold and grumpy <laughs> but uh no it's it's very interesting it's interesting to both of us mm-hmm. and I definitely think that you're right that there's a level of like I've never kissed a girl and when I think about Wait, that's a lie. Berkeley, there was that one weird night. But (laughs) (laughs) But I've never back to that. I've never with intention. Really weird. (laughs) But there's there when I think about that actually happening, there's no doubt. I'm like, like there's a holy shit kind of like thing if I go too into the reality of that occurring. Which I take as a good thing, because I think that means there will be that kind of charge when that comes up for sure oh yeah <laughs> uh, maybe you process too much really you think <laughs> yeah you definitely need to just like go i just i can only tackle problems with the tools i have and these are the tools i have this isn't this isn't just a vanity project this is a no i'm trying to blow some shit up in here and see where the pieces fall and how I kind of come out on the other side and how ready I am for what's next, you know? So what's your strategy? (laughs) (laughs) So far, uh, make friends with gay people and potentially hire a matchmaker. Matchmaker is a good idea. Yeah. It's a tough time to date. Like, I I think about that, like, if I had to go back to the dating world right now, like, it's challenging. Why do you say that it is now more than before? Well, you know, like, I'm not a super tech-savvy person, and 
I feel like technology plays into it so much now. Like, so wait, because you don't know how to delete email, you don't think you could date? <laughs> Let's just leave my emails out of it. I knew you were going to find a way to bring that up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now that I've demonstrated my techno ridiculousness to you, I, I mean, it's like social media has wrecked everybody's life. You know, now it's like you're, you have to have like an online presence and all that stuff and you have to do a podcast and write a book to get yeah, a yeah like <laughs> most of my dating life was pre-facebook maybe all of my dating life yeah <laughs> yeah like i haven't I, I mean obviously i haven't been online looking for Another. dates. Yeah. <laughs> so i have no idea what's available here but like a lot of my friends are are online like they found their partners online yeah. here because it's hard to find people here there like, is a gay bar Right? I, I know. I guess. Have you been to the gay bar? I have not been to the gay bar. Either have Which is so sad. <laughs> Why? You guys don't identify as gay, so it's not your bar. Yeah, yeah true. Do we know anyone? For? You know, I'm just, not putting I you mean, on I the know, spot. I know, but I'm I like thinking. All the people that I wanted to hook her up with are not, in, hmm. you know. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We'll discuss this later. You know, Why don't you have your pastor set you up? A lot of people do that. Right? <laughs> really? Yeah, like have a religious figure set them up. <laughs> no, that is not a real thing. <laughs> that know, just I proved mean... you were a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you true. hit the nail on the head. Maybe that's true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, thank God your priest set us up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so good about that. Oh, you're the Catholic one. Yes, I am. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And I don't have to just have my same-sex couple friends set me up. I'm pretty sure that there are straight people who know gay people as well. well so. and I think that's true, but nobody will will be better at matchmaking than oh, the two of us. We're good at I it. I so believe that. Because uh-huh. um, well, we're nosy. Yeah. My parents met through a nosy aunt who just kept setting them up. I am totally all about getting set up and yeah. having people you know and trust know the other person. So wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. Okay. So what are you looking for in yeah. a in a woman? I'm looking for someone who is family minded in the same way. Where it's like, okay, now the f- the family, the third, fourth entity family is what we're now all working towards you know making healthy and joyful and and that really being the mindset that we're in um you know faith is a big part of my life so I want someone who's willing to come and grow up in the church and have that be a part of this part of uh, you know all of our lives too and I want someone who is smart I would love someone who's uh you know established in their career I tend to aim older in my my tastes and so you know I'm thinking within 10 years but yeah someone who's who's an adult who's just established in themselves established in their career and is ready for family like at the core of it that you know I want to I want a teammate and a partner and someone who's ready for that so yeah that seems reasonable Mm mm-hmm I love that you didn't say, you know, I'm looking for a blonde or 
you know. Well, this definitely <gasps> renews my interest in finding somebody for you. Ditto. God. Ditto. If that's the only thing that gets accomplished today, I hit it out of the park. And I know we have different... People we, in mind. Yeah, yeah, we looked at each other and right. I'm like, she's not thinking the same thing I'm the person I'm thinking. This will be interesting when we get in the Bronco and drive away. <laughs> I super duper appreciate you guys coming. <laughs> We're super duper excited for you. Isn't it amazing how we are constantly being retaught lessons that we are certain we've already learned? I know how inaccurate labels are, how limiting. I wrote a whole freaking book about it. Yet here I am being reminded by these friends yet again that regardless of what my language is that I land on in attempts to help express my experience to those who live outside of my head, you know, to my parents, to my friends, my potential mates or society in general, it doesn't mean I have to be limited by those words internally. Okay, but I'm going to say that again with more clarity for myself. Labels are for outside, not for inside. A new label it doesn't actually ascribe a new set of rules to my behavior. Like, I don't actually change. Why is that so hard for me to remember? The labels we do or do not use out of necessity for communication have no tangible impact on who we're allowed to be, who we can find attractive, how we fall in love, or where we even go to seek our perfect mates. Everyone's experience of love has become so apparently nuanced, so individualized and bagged and tagged on any number of infinite spectrums that I've believed it's gotten more complicated. I've believed it's gotten harder. But maybe it's just gotten more wordy. These friends, the ones I thought belonged to a club that I didn't have the right language to belong to, have reminded me that while describing love may be complicated in any circumstances— being in it continues to be a simple human act. And on top of that, I'm hearing them say that if my sexuality has never been one of the top hundred things that make me interesting, why would that be any different now? That feels like such a duh thing. And also, remembering it feels like a total relief. I mean, to bring it back to that comforting knowledge that I am not special, none of us is, I'm just a member of the human species— we carry around within us this strong tribal nature, right? An, an animal instinct for belonging. And as funny as this sounds, in sharing the fact that they don't feel a concretized identity defining allegiances, it makes me feel like I've been given the gift of belonging in my, my also not belonging. And that kind of makes my reptilian brain feel safe in all this. And based on where this conversation seems to be pointing us next... I'm really going to need to hold on to that sense of belonging. Because if, if we're going where I think we are, it means facing the very real feeling fear of losing my existing tribes. See, just the same way that I realized today that so much of my behavior has been dictated by this unconscious desire to avoid any sexual identity, I've begun to wonder if my fear around what would come next if I found my beloved, if that's been unconsciously blocking me, maybe, keeping me from actually finding that person. And so I wonder if by clearing it, if by preemptively running at that fear, it actually will open me up and, and make me able to connect with the person who's going to be my forever person.
But what that would mean is having some preemptive scary conversations, which risks some preemptive rejection from some people who are really important in my life. It really feels like it could be worth it, though, to clear that amorphous future dread. Because if I know where I stand, whether it's where I want to or not, there's no more dread of that unknown future. There's simply management of present known facts. And that seems preferable. So join me next time as I plan to run headlong into that fear of rejection and abandonment by sitting down with my pastor and asking him whether finding my mate will mean losing my congregation. That's next time on Curious Love. Thank you to my favorite couple for taking the care to sit down with me today. And thank you to you, listener, for joining me in the booth here. If you're interested in hearing more about the crazy relationship hijinks and lessons learned that got me to this moment of speaking with you, you can pre-order a copy of my upcoming book, The Overthinker's Guide to Love, a story of real-life experiments turned practical wisdom at either Amazon, or I can send you a little thank you gift if you want to bop on over to theoverthinkersguide.com. See you back here same time, same place next week for the next installment of Curious Love.